Hey, how you guys doing? It's Pastor Josh here. I'm the lead pastor here at Danny First Christian Church. And we're going to do something that we do every Sunday. It's a little bit different because we're not in person. Uh, but if you're here for the first time, if we were in person, I'd ask you to raise your hand. But I just want to welcome you. If you're joining us for the first time, maybe uh, you're with friends and family and someone hasn't been a part of our church and you're going to uh, listen to me preach for the first time, I just want to welcome you. This is It's great for uh, us to be able to know that you're here with us. And uh, hopefully you'll make the, the decision to make Downey First Christian Church your church home. Something else that I want to say is that as we're ending this message, so I'm going to preach, and then at the end of this message, I'm going to have Pastor Mark uh, lead us in a time of communion. He's already pre-recorded this at his house, and I want to ask you to join us in a time of communion uh, after I'm done with this message. And if you don't have uh, the elements that we normally use on Sunday, uh, which is the grape juice and the cracker, it doesn't matter. You can use milk, you can use water, whatever it is that you have at your house, you can use that, and maybe in replacement of the cracker, you could use uh, a cookie or something like that because the the substance of the elements themselves aren't the important thing. The important thing is what they represent. So after this message, we're going to go into a time of communion uh, that Pastor Mark is going to guide us in. And then after that, I'm having uh, Anthony, who's one of the uh, people who has led us in worship in the past. He's going to lead us uh, in a song, and then that's how we're going to end our uh, service. So again, I want to welcome you. I'm very, very excited. Another thing that I want to just uh, remind you is that it is possible that the image uh, the quality of the image might, may not be great because YouTube uh, has informed us that uh, they have lowered their um, quality of the image. So it's possible that the image isn't crystal clear. Uh, let that not be a distraction. Uh, we're going to continue with this just as is. And we just praise God that we have this opportunity to be able to communicate through this. And so we're going to start off with a message today. And I want to start off by saying something obvious. It is no surprise to any of us that everything is different now. Your routine has probably drastically changed. Maybe you have your kids at home. Maybe you can't go to the hair salon like you always do. Maybe you're working from home. Maybe some of you are scared. Maybe some of you are confused. Maybe some of you feel stressed. Maybe some of you feel like in denial. Maybe you're frustrated because there's someone in your family that doesn't seem to be taking the situation seriously enough. Or maybe you're frustrated because there are other people that you think are taking this whole pandemic situation too seriously. Even for us as a church, everything has changed. I mean, our main thing that we do, I mean, we do a lot of different things, but the main event uh, is our Sunday experience and we're not doing that anymore. So it's no surprise to any of us that everything has changed. And so the question that I want to ask ourselves this morning, and I want to ask you, and I want to invite you to ask yourself the following question. What do we do when everything changes? And so we're going to go uh, to some of our church uh, announcements, and then we're going to continue with this message. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm part of the team here at Downey First Christian, where we exist to love God, love people, and serve the world. Here are your announcements for March 29th. Loving God for us means gathering to worship, learn, and commune together on Sundays. While in-person gatherings are suspended, we are still coming together online every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find the link on our website, downyfirst.org. As you participate, snap a picture to post online and tag our church so we are all encouraged by seeing our church family gathering together. If you, like us, were looking forward to a big Easter celebration, you'll have to wait a little longer. We don't anticipate being able to see each other on April 12th, but we will still celebrate that day. 
And when we do return to our building, we will celebrate the life of Jesus and the hope we have in Him in a special way. Stay posted for those details. Loving people may be a little more difficult at the moment, as growth groups have been suspended. But this is an opportunity to grow in love for one another as a household. We are putting together resources to mail out each week to help you and your family engage together in God's Word. If you want to be sure to receive those pieces of snail mail, send your address to sarah at downyfirst.org. Serving the world may also seem difficult, but is still possible. Food Help is committed to keep its doors open as long as the food and volunteers are available. If you are able and don't have someone at home in a high-risk group, join us Fridays and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. In fact, thank you to all who prayed and helped this past weekend. God was present through the peace that reigned over everyone, through the new volunteers that came to serve, and through the fact that the food ran out just as we closed. Please continue to pray. But there are other ways you can serve from home. In this week's mailing, we are including a Hello Neighbor card to help you engage with those around you. You can still give through our website to help meet the ministry needs of our community. And you can continue to pray for those who do not know Jesus, who have nowhere to turn with their fear and anxiety. Let us remain faithful in both prayer and in generosity for our church and community. See you next time. All right, I want to start off by asking you a question. Have you ever gotten rid of something that wasn't, it wasn't that it, it, was, it went bad or it wasn't that it stopped working, but that you just wanted a better version of that? Now, in my case, uh, maybe in, in some of you guys' cases, it's, it's a car. Like you have a car and the car seems to be getting a little bit old and you want a new car and so you exchange the car. And it's not that the car wasn't working anymore, it's that you just wanted a better looking car, a newer car. Now, I don't have a problem with that because, you know, I grew up in a third world, world country as a missionary and uh, my definition of a nice car is a car that uh, just starts on the first try. And so that's kind of something that my dad taught me. So I, will, I have a Toyota Corolla and I'll drive that car. It's like 150,000 miles now. And uh, I'm willing to, to keep driving that car until it no longer becomes safe or it becomes an issue. Because to me, a car is just something that gets you from point A to point B and that's it. And so uh, I don't have a problem with a car. Like I don't feel like I need to have a new car, but it's different for me with when it comes to technology. Like I love iPhones and I love everything Mac. And so uh, I've had iPhones for a long time. And when I Last time I changed my phone, it was it was a good phone. It was working. Everything in the phone was working, but I went into Sprint and I looked around and they were like, hey, we got this new phone with all these bells and whistles. And I'm like, hey, sign me up for that because it's a strange thing. You know, it's not that the phone that I had wasn't working. It's that I wanted a bigger and a better version of it. And I think that happens to us in society. It happens with cars. It happens with, with furniture. It happens with, with phones. And we get so used to this that sometimes we even apply the same principle to our relationships. Maybe our friends. Maybe marriage. You know, it's like, ah, oh, I don't like this person anymore. I'm going to go on to a different relationship. Oh, this marriage, you know, it doesn't seem to be working. So I'm going to go on to the next thing. I was listening to this interview. I don't think, no, it wasn't an interview. It was, I think it was a... I think I saw it on a, on a picture. I think it was this picture of this couple. And it was this couple. They had been married for 70 years. And the question was, how do you guys manage to stay together for so long? And the answer to this question was, well, we lived in a time when, when something was broken, you didn't throw it away. You fixed it. 
And so the same principle seems to be so untrue now a day because we walk away from relationships when we get tired of them. Like he no longer does it for me. She no longer does it for me. You know, they no longer do it for me. So you move on to the next thing. And it's the whole idea of unfriending people, you know, on Facebook. You know, you unfriend them. It's so easy to unfriend someone that you just don't want to have a relationship anymore. And we can apply that to our one-on-one relationships as well. I mean, when we talk about marriage, a marriage that's been together for over 25 years, like we automatically start applauding like it's a big accomplishment because it's so uncommon now a day. So when we think about that whole idea of just walking away from relationships because they don't work for us anymore in the same way that we can, you know, replace an iPhone for an upgraded version because we just get tired of the other one that seems to be old. We may have the same idea about this when we think about our relationship with God. You know, sometimes we may think that God can get tired of us and just walk away from us because we don't longer, you know, are his, his joy. Like we don't, we no longer are people that, that, that please him. And so he's going to walk away from us or eliminate us. And, and some of you may look at the Bible, and when you look at the Bible and you, you read stories like, like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, where it seems like God just got tired of Sodom and Gomorrah and just eliminated those whole cities or the plagues in Egypt. It's almost like he just, he just got tired of the, of the Egyptians and, and about the fact that they were so disobedient and they were enslaving uh, Israel that he just got tired of them and just sent those plagues and el- eliminated everyone. We may think about the same thing with Noah's Ark. We're like, man, he just destroyed the whole world. He, he drowned everyone, you know, and so we think about this and we're, we're, we're having the same sort of idea that God just got tired of humanity and just wants to sort of get rid of it because he no longer is pleased with us. And some of you may think about this pandemic and you may be thinking, man, this is maybe God doing this to us. Like he just got tired of us and he's sending this pandemic and he's going to destroy the whole world. And this is going to be the end. I mean, isn't that what he did with Sodom and Gomorrah? Isn't that what he did with Egypt? Isn't that what he did with the entire world when he flooded it? Didn't he just get fed up? And some of you may say, no, 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 pastor, that is not True, that is the God of the Old Testament. You see, the God of the New Testament is a different God. You see, in the Old Testament, God was, was angry. And the New Testament, he sort of like took an Advil and got rid of his headache and now he feels better. So he's a different God. The Old Testament is the God of the plagues and the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah. But now we have an upgraded version of God who no longer does that kind of stuff. He's a better God. He's a different God. Now, the problem with this thought is that it can't be theologically Correct, because one of the attributes of God is his his immutability, which means that he doesn't change. Hebrews 13, 8 says this. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Matthew 24 35 says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So, so God does not change, nor does he contradict himself. Then you may be thinking, but pastor, the judgment and wrath, all that idea of the end of the world and the wrath of God and the, the destruction, that's all Old Testament language, right? Because what's happening now in this whole pandemic, this can't be that. Of course it can't, right? That's what you're thinking. Well, Not so fast, because 
Because when we look at the New Testament, we also see the same language of the anger of God. Romans 1.18 says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Matthew 3, 7, still talking about the whole idea of the wrath of God, which seems so harsh, but this is what the Bible is talking about. Matthew 3, 7 says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, this is John the Baptist, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Then Romans 2, 5 says, I know this is, these are hard verses to, to listen to, but it says this, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepent heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. And then finally, uh, Matthew 25, 41 says this, it says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, when we think about these stories, I know they're hard to, 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 to sort of uh, swallow, but the God of the Old Testament, we can see this very clearly, the God that he's talking about the wrath of God and the patience of God that, it, that, is, that is only for a while and then his wrath comes is the same one of the New Testament that talks about the same sort of idea. I would love for the Bible to not say this, but according to this book, to the, the book of the Bible, the, the judgment day is coming. The final hour, the judgment, the, the, the moment when he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. I would be remiss if I told you that the God that we serve today is not the same God of the, of the Old Testament. The God that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, the God that brought on the plagues, the God that flooded the earth and only saved one family. And you may say, but pastor, I know that there is a verse that says that there is no wrath and no judgment. Well, maybe you're thinking of Psalm 103, verse 8, which says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. It's very important to understand that, that being slow to anger is very different than not having anger. You see, the problem is some of us fixate when we, when we talk about the stories that I was just mentioning of Sodom and Gomorrah and the flood and Egypt, we fixate on the end part. We, fix on, on, we fixate on the last part when he talks about he drowned the whole earth or he killed them all or he burned the cities. And when we think of it that way, we think it's just like random, like God all of a sudden just got mad and just destroyed everything. But the focus of these stories is not the wrath of God. The focus of these stories is actually God's mercy, God's patience, God's slowness to anger, and God's abounding in love. You see, what all these stories have in common is that he'll wait, he waits, he waits, and then when there's no more waiting to do, he waits more because he abounds in love. In fact, I had a crazy thought uh, last week. I was remembering when I was uh, cleaning my office, uh, actually my old office, and uh, I saw this bug. It was, like was kind of like a, like a little mosquito, and I was just cleaning up and all that kind of stuff, and the, the mosquito was just being a mosquito, like it was doing whatever a mosquito does. It wasn't doing anything bad. It didn't sting me or it wasn't like bothering me or anything. And since I was cleaning, I just kind of just, I just eliminated it. You know, I just kind of put my finger on it and wiped it off and then threw it away. And then I had this thought in my mind. I'm like, that mosquito literally did nothing. Like I, like the mosquito wasn't even bothering me. It was just there. It was kind of in my way. And so I just literally just smashed it and threw it away. And I had this crazy thought. I'm like, what if God saw us like that? What if God saw us and like just, you know, we're just being human, just kind of doing our thing. 
And he would just eliminate us because we're kind of in his way. But then I thought even deeper and I realized that that I'm not just being a human. I'm actually disobedient many times. I, had, I have bad thoughts. I am selfish. Now, I think of myself and I think that if, if I was God and I had to deal with me, I would probably, I would prob- probably be smashed on a wall somewhere just because I have such little patience. You see, the thing about God is that he has patience with us. Because you may ask yourself, what, what is stopping God from simply taking us out? And we go back to what I was saying earlier, the slowness of his anger and the abundance of his love. You see, what we fail to, to, to see in these stories of Sodom and Gomorrah and Noah and the plagues, etc., etc., is what I was saying before is how long he waits. He waits, he waits, he waits, and then he waits some more because he is abounding in love. Now, here's the important thing, is it is what's true in the Old Testament, is true in the New Testament, and is also true in our present period of time. You see, he will wait for you. And he will wait for me because he is patient and loving. And he wants you to come home. You see, Jesus doesn't want anyone to perish. Second Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, some of you might say this is the end times. Like this pandemic is is the end times. And actually, I will say, yes, this is the end times, but not because of the pandemic. It's because we are in the end times. The end times meaning the period of time between when Jesus ascended and then when he's coming back. So we are in the end times, regardless of the pandemic that we're going through. And some may say, hey, this is, this is kind of like, like Egypt. You know, this is like the first of the 10 plagues. I'm not going to say yes or no to that. But what we do know is that God is using this in this moment to call some of you back home because because regardless of what happens if this continues or if we come out of it and then everything is normal again the truth is that he is calling you because we're, we're we're becoming aware of the fact that wow he's actually in control like there's nothing that we can do now we are submitted under his will and it becomes so obvious and so what i do know about what god wants for you and for me is for us to cling to him first thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 10 says this, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, and this is the part that I want to highlight, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So the question is not, will the coming wrath happen? No, the question is, will you allow Jesus to rescue you? John fourteen six says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, in the same way that, that the ark saved Noah in the flood, Jesus is the, the better and perfect ark that saves us from the coming wrath. You see, in the same way that, that Moses was the rescuer of the Israelites from the slavery in Egypt and from the ten plagues, Jesus is the better and perfect Moses that saves us from the coming wrath. You see, in the same way that, that the angels saved Lot and his family from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus to us is the better and perfect angel that saves us from the coming wrath. 
You see, regardless of what's going to happen in the future, we know that we're in the end times. And this is something that Jesus is using right now through this message even to call you back home. So the question is not whether the pandemic is the beginning of the end. That's not even the important question. That's not even the important question right now. Because what I do know is that Jesus wants no one to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So my question to you this morning is, will you put your faith in Jesus in these hard times? So I'm going to end with this. I begin this message with the question, what do we do when everything changes? And this question brings me back to a moment in the life of Jesus' disciples where in the ministry of Jesus, following Jesus became hard because everything changed. Now, what do I mean by everything changing? Well, there was a period of time in the ministry of Jesus where everyone was popular. People were getting healed. People were getting fed. And all of a sudden, everything changed for the disciples because the popularity started going down. They weren't as loved and respected. Jesus started preaching some things that were confusing, like drink my blood and eat my flesh and things that we understand now, but to them were very confusing and people started leaving. And so the question that Jesus asks his disciples that I'm going to read right now is the same question that I think we need to ask ourselves right now in this period of time where everything is changing. And this, the question is this, John chapter 6, verse uh, 67, Jesus is asking his disciples this. He, everyone was leaving. So he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus answered the 12. I'm sorry, he asked the 12. And I would ask you the same thing. So what do you do when everything changes is the question. Things had changed for the disciples. Things have changed for us. Life is different for you right now. In your job, maybe you got laid off. Maybe you're at home. Maybe your schedule is different. You're having to interact closer with your family. Maybe you have fear. So the answer to the question of what do we do when everything changes is the same question that the, that the disciples had to deal with. Some of you may feel like walking away from the faith right now. Or maybe some of you will answer like Peter answered this question that Jesus asked them. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So I ask you the same question this morning. You may not understand what is happening or why it's happening in the same way that the disciples maybe didn't understand what was happening or why it was happening. You may feel confused. Maybe you feel like everything is different. You don't understand. So I ask you this question today. Who else can we go to other than Jesus? Who else has the words of eternal life? And also, who else loves you like Jesus loves you? Romans 8.35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then Romans 8.38-39 through 39 says, For I am convinced, this is Paul talking, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor pandemic. I added that because I think that Paul would have added that if he was uh, living what we're going, through, nor any 
thing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Paul suffered all kinds of hardship, but he was able to say that even though things get tough, that the love of Jesus is something that will never end and that nothing can happen that will ever separate us from the love of Christ. And so here's my, my challenge to you this morning. Come back to Jesus. If you've walked away from Jesus, you're far from Jesus. Come back to Jesus. He's the only one that will love you like he loves you. He is the only one that has, has words of eternal life. And he is the only one whose love will never fail. And so here's what I want to do. I want us to close our eyes. Please, wherever you're at right now, close your eyes. If you're sitting around the table, just hold hands with the person that's next to you. And this is the moment for you. Because maybe you're here and you're wondering why this is happening. Why are we going through a pandemic right now? And honestly, I don't have the answer. But regardless of if this is the beginning of the end or if this just passes, the one thing that I do know is that Jesus is calling you. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you want to come back to Jesus because you've walked away from him. And so if you want to if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, I'm going to ask you to repeat with me this prayer. It's a simple prayer. It says, just repeat after me. Jesus, I receive you in my life. I repent of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. Now, if you want to come back to Jesus, there's a different prayer, and I'm going to ask you to repeat this. Jesus, I'm coming back to you. And I'm putting you back on the throne of my life. Let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for these moments that we shared. And I, I pray, Lord, that this message will have been helpful. I pray, Lord, that we will understand that regardless of if this pandemic just kind of is with us for a while and then it goes away, that we are living in the end times. And this might be a warning sign of just the beginning of the end. We don't know that. But regardless of that, what we do know is that your love never fails and that you are calling us to a deeper relationship with you. And so I want to thank you for those people who gave their lives to Jesus for the first time. And I also want to thank you for those who uh, came back to you, Lord. I pray that this whole thing that we're going through, God, will, will result in just closeness to you and understanding that you are in control. You are in control, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your mercy. And I pray that you will be with us uh, for the next uh, few days, few weeks as um, life continues. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do trust you, God. And we pray that uh, sooner than later, things will come back to normal. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. So why don't you join Pastor Mark now uh, for our time of communion? Good morning. My name is Mark and I'm one of the pastors here at church. As we prepare for communion... I want to share a couple of thoughts. Like many of you, I also have been at the house most of the last two weeks. Along with my wife and son, we have complied with the request to shelter at home. Now, in the midst of being together 24-7, I've learned that we can easily fail one another more often than I would like to admit, even to the point that I began to wonder if we will start to grow tired of forgiving one another for our selfish, sinful behavior. Then I had this thought. What if God starts to feel the same way? I wondered if 
He ever got tired of my sinful ways. And if so, if he would continue to forgive me over and over again, I mean, he's got to be tired of my sins. And I know he's got to be tired of all of our sins. Then I came across this passage of hope and good news. In the middle of one of the most discouraging books in the Bible, the prophet Jeremiah writes these encouraging words in Lamentations chapter three. He says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are forever new, each and every day. Great is thy faithfulness. I don't know if you caught that, but God's love is faithful, consistent, predictable, but at the same time, his mercies are always new, fresh, and changing. As humans, we grow weary, but God doesn't. Scripture tells us that God does not change. He does not waver. He does not grow weary, even of our sins. Now, trying to imagine something that is always consistent and always new is a bit difficult, but hopefully this idea will help you. Think of the mighty Mississippi River. For the most part, it is always the same. 2,300 miles of predictable water flow. But yet we know that the actual liquid running inside the river is always changing because of rain and melting snow and tributaries. The river is always the same, and yet it is always different. God is also like that. His love is consistent, and his mercies are new. The author C.S. Lewis wrote, The devil does his best work by keeping thoughts out of our minds not by putting thoughts into our minds. You see, Satan wants us to forget about God's love and mercy. And therefore, when we do, we will fail and, and feel hopelessness. Maybe this is one of the main reasons why Christ gave us the Lord's Supper, to provide us with the regular reminder of his redeeming work on the cross. Once again, think of that river analogy. When it comes to our communion, the meaning of the remembrance and the symbolism of the emblems are always going to remain the same. But the place where we partake of them, like maybe at home, or the specific elements that we may use, like something other than the traditional wafer and juice, they might just be different each and every time. Friends, our time of communion is both faithful and new, just like God's love and his mercies. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for being both faithful and new. Right now, as we take communion, please use these elements to remind us once again of the price you paid so that we could be reconciled with you. Father, thank you again for the work of the Son, your Son, on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, let's take these elements together and remember the eternal hope provided as a result of the sacrifice of Christ. Take this bread as a reminder of his body broken for us. Now take this cup as a reminder of his blood poured out for us. Now take a moment to reflect on this special time of remembrance.
as you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you God is healer, awesome in power, our God, oh, our God. Into the darkness we shine, out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you. Oh, our God. 